Hey, 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 what do you say? Welcome to the seventh episode of the Drive-In Pod. We have a heater of an episode for y'all this week with our weekly checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have our movie trailer roundup. We have a special review of the most anticipated summer blockbuster of the year, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. And we have our top billing for the best Christopher Nolan movies of all time. It should be a fun episode, so just sit back, relax, and enjoy the epi. Let's ride. All right, Ricky Flicks, we are here with the Dr. newest episode of the Drive-In Pod. Uh, how we doing, Ricky Flicks? How's the uh, week starting up for you? We starting out well. We starting out well. I know last week we had a, a very eventful week of news with all the trailers and just crazy news coming out of Hollywood right now. But this week's a little on the lighter note, lighter side, but still excited for the episode. And how about you, Dr. O? How's the week starting out for you? It's going well. Okay. Work seems like it's a pain in the butt, but at least I got to look forward to uh, this nightly podcast, man. Right. Once a week, I should say, uh, I know we got Monday night football, so we're kind of making quite the sacrifice right now, but I think it's going to be well worth it for our devoted fans, okay? yes. which we yes. have many that we found out. Um, the blog has been on fire this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about it during our uh, check up. We're going to talk about Shia LaBeouf and we had a blog this week that absolutely lit the internet on fire. Right. And so, uh, we're really starting to explore. Should right we just now. start there? Should we start there? Why not? Okay. Let's get started with the checkup with Dr. O. Um, we'll start with Shia LaBeouf. Uh, he stole the show in a zoom table read for charity over, uh, Last weekend, or I think it was Friday, I believe, uh, there was a table read for charity on the Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It featured a bunch of A-list celebrities. It was hosted by Dane Cook. Uh, the cast included Sean Penn, Brad Pitt, Matt McConaughey, uh, Morgan Freeman, Jennifer Aniston, Julia Roberts, Henry Golding, Jimmy Kimmel, John Legend. Just an incredible roster of names. But who stole the show? None other than the one and only Shia LaBeouf. He is back. The Shia Sance is on. Flixed. What did we see in this video? Shia Sans. It's on, baby. First thing I thought of with while watching this was we're still doing these Zoom table reads. I feel like we were doing these back in March and April when quarantine was actually quarantine, when nobody was allowed out, right? And all these restaurants were lawfully uh, closed, like forcibly closed. And that's when all these celebrities were like, let's raise some money. And they were doing these table reads. Now we're out and about. Summer's winding down. Everyone was having a great time out, hanging out, out with each other by the pool. But we're still doing these table reads. But Shia LaBeouf changed things up, got into the role, and actually made it entertaining for an hour. And I found this incredibly fascinating that he actually made a table read interesting. Even with all these stars, I still couldn't – I wouldn't be able to sit through this for an hour. But I know you also did, Dr. O. What did you think about it? I mean, he was the only reason I sat through this for an hour. I, w- I could watch that if I wanted to. I love Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I love Brad Pitt. I love Jennifer Anderson. I love Matt McConaughey. I love Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. But the reason I sat through is that I got to see Shia LaBeouf puffing a J alongside <laughs> these great actors who are wearing, like, suits and are acting formal, reading a script. My boy Shia was method acting to the max. It was the best method acting I've seen since Daniel Day-Lewis in my left foot, dude. 
mm-hmm. he went he he went crazy. Like a statement. He went crazy, and he he wasn't reading the script. He memorized his lines yes, in a table. He's the only person that memorized the lines. He shows that to Henry Golding's like in this like flag suit, all right, mm-hmm. dressed to the nines. Matt McConaughey looking good. Brad Pitt casual, still looking good. Then mm-hmm. you have Julia Roberts still with nice dress on. Okay, Chrissy Teigen mm-hmm. makes Very the appearance. Then we have our boy Shia who shows up without a shirt on. In a, <laughs> was he in a van? Well, then, like, yeah. Just yeah. like the character. It was unbelievable. He actually was in a van smoking a J, similar to the actual character. He might be the first ever actor to win an Oscar for a Zoom call. That's how it's up there. he was. For the amount of movies this year coming out and the performances, he's up there. And I was saying, like, I mean, he – it was such an internet moment, right? And it was such a shy thing that let's let's adapt this Fast Times at Ridgemont High to Fast Times at Ridgemont University. Little remake, get Shia in there, right? Almost like a Van Wilder-esque. Where he's yes. in college too long. He's coming out of the van. How electric would he be, right? Mm. I'm just excited. I'm like, like Shia, honestly, when you look at the resumes between him and the rest of those actors, I mean, he's not an Oscar winner. He's not Oscar nominated, right? He had a great year last year, and he's looking to build mm-hmm. upon it. But yes. he stole the show. He had to do something eccentric. But what I also noticed is that the cast didn't have much of a, rea- of a reaction when Shia was doing this crazy stuff, right? right? But a lot of them have worked with him. They know he's a psychopath. Brad Pitt worked with him on Fury, yep. right? Or he allegedly was crazy when he got into character there too. <laughs> and we've heard stories of when he was in Lawless with Tom Hardy. Yes. Where he's just getting like blackout drunk before they shoot scenes. Like he's an absolute wild card. He's almost like a real life like Rick Vaughn type of like person. Like it literally it literally is sort of like Charlie Sheen. So I, oh, I mean man. I couldn't get enough of uh, it. I literally was watching it on repeat. Yeah, he definitely stole the show from all these A list actors and all these actors are they have kids that are going into college or going into high school they're all older on the older side the second half of their careers shia we've we've known him for so long 20 years since even stevens right and since he was a child actor he's only 34 years old this man is just becoming it just became a man like dude if you asked me how old he was i would have said like 40 at least. right and especially in this video it did not do him justice with his age and everyone was just rolling their eyes looking at him but then again they couldn't take their eyes off him like, it was unbelievable. And low-key, the best part was that uh, the only person that really was cracking up and it was, like, obviously cracking up was uh, Sean Penn, who made Sean the Spicoli. Penn. He made the Spicoli character famous, obviously, back in 82 when he played him during Fast Times. Mm-hmm. And he, you could tell he was getting a kick out of seeing it. So uh, it was just great to see. Great internet moment. And it's, like, literally – I wa- I've watched the video, like, twice today. And it, I, we released it, like, four days ago. Right. Like, it's and, just incredible. Yeah, and you see, like – passionate about this zoom read and you got to see how passionate he was about the tax collector with his real tattoos on his body you saw those in this zoom read and at only 34 i can't imagine over under 30 more tattoos he's gonna get in his lifetime for specific roles right i I, that was also a massive moment and no one really talked about it was like that those were actually legit like like the rumors were true that those were real and we got to see it firsthand Mm-hmm. Still gotta, we got to still see the tax collector. We'll, we'll review it at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. not, I guess. But uh, moving on, okay, going into a little more serious movie news, we got Tom Hardy rumored to replace Daniel Craig as James Bond following No Time to Die, reportedly the next 
007. Uh, according to reports, he won the role back in June and has and has planned and then and Barbara Broccoli and Universal had plans to announce the casting following the release of the new Bond flick, the final one for Daniel Craig. Uh, this uh, rumor comes from the Vulcan Reporter. Okay, Hardy was the is the odds-on favorite to land the Bond role at eight to one flicks. What do you think of potentially having Tom Hardy as your next James Bond? Yes. Yeah, so, ever since Inception came out in 2010. I've been saying this to Dr. O, and he's been saying it back to me. This man should be the next 007 after Daniel Just an Craig. echo. Just a constant echo. It's, it's unbelievable how perfect he would be in this new era of James Bond. If you remember in, in Inception, and I almost said Tenet, jeez. But in Inception, he was just the smooth character, just know-it-all. But then again, as, and his name was Eames. Are you kidding me? Like, that's such a fly name for like something so... So spy. English. So English and spy character. Imagine him as 007 in those suits in the car, women. Tom Hardy goes all out for his roles. We don't have to mention about Capone, but you can mention about other movies such as playing uh, John Fitzgerald in The Revenant, Oscar nomination there. And this, like I said, with the new era of James Bond, the grittier, muscular type of James Bond, you don't necessarily have to be 6'3 and slender and supermodel-esque or just lust written on you right you could just be a gritty jacked but still suave type of englishman and tom hardy is exactly that similar to daniel craig i would say a much superior actor as well so i love this role and this is a t i was going to mention say this for the tenant review but then this news came out of nowhere christopher nolan where are you buddy can we get these two to join up for a bond get movie? them on board man i think well, going on, so I'll, I'll first hop in talking about Hardy. I think he is so suited for this role. Uh, his roles, like uh, previously on his resume, have kind of like uh, prepared him for a role like James Bond. He's already been the star of multiple action franchises. Okay, he's the lead in Venom. Okay, he's played uh, the villain in a dark, in a Batman movie. He's played the suave role in Legend. Okay, if this means more, if you really want to be diving yes. deep there, Legend. right? But that's like the suave role. You know, he's in a rom com type of thing. He carried Mad Max Fury Road alongside Charlize Theron. He was a beat. He could play like the Braun too, if you want to play the Bond like Daniel Craig. He was obviously in Bronson, and he was great as Bane, right? Just basically doubling the size of his body for that role. Um, and obviously, he's won awards for The Revenant. The only like, I guess nominated. down. Yeah, sorry, did I say win? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, arguably so should have won. Arguably, yeah, he was nominated for The Revenant. Excuse me, but uh. I think that he's just perfectly suited for this role. And I think he's more so than like an Idris Elba or a Henry Cavill. Like Henry Cavill has been Superman before, but I think Tom Hardy just suits the mold better. He actually, and uh, I think some people are going to criticize his age. Uh, Hardy's 43. Mm -hmm. So yep. if they wanted a younger, more inexperienced Bond, they might have to go a different route. But if they're looking to bang out a trilogy before he turns 50, very doable. But I very like what you're saying about Nolan. I love what you were saying about Nolan because I think Nolan can turn it. Well, he has done this before where he's turned a po He's taken a popular franchise, a popular character, right? Modernized it, made it a grounded take, obviously talking about Batman and made it into something spectacular. Yeah. And I mentioned this last week uh, uh, regarding no time to die trailer and how I'm a little, like a couple of things I'm afraid of. And one of them was the story 
and how this could be like a normal story of just millions dying. Hopefully it's not. I'm, we haven't seen the movie, obviously. It's just the trailer. But Christopher Nolan could totally make it a unique, original story like he's done in all his films, or almost all his films, Dunkirk, obviously. But uh, he could just make this an original story with James Bond. Like, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine that with a, a Nolan James Bond movie, a trilogy, no, nonetheless, where you could have interweaving villains come in at different points. And with Tom Hardy carrying the load there, I think he would be a perfect person to carry the load for a Nolan movie as he has experience with Christopher Nolan in uh, uh, two of his movies, I believe, Inception and Dunkirk. And he's... Dark Knight Rises. Oh, sorry, oh of course. Oh, go. yeah. Um, but he can carry the load of a movie... He's a great act, actor and great uh, action star as well. So yeah. I think it's the perfect blend. Agreed, for a Bond man. Film. And uh, dude, they are. If Nolan directs, they already have an M lined up, dude. Michael Caine gonna play M. Or they Michael could even. Caine, Michael Caine is ev- mm-hmm. in every single Christopher Nolan movie. You already yeah. have your M lined up, right? Yeah, it's almost was... it's almost like guaranteed if that happens. I do like Ralph uh, Fiennes, though. I do like. Are you going to keep him? <laughs> I know Michael Caine kind of has to be in every Nolan movie, so I'm I'm with you. But I'm just saying, I think he, Ralph Fiennes has been good as well. And my last point with Nolan, I know this is a Tom Hardy story headline, but you can't mm-hmm. help but think about Nolan and Hardy uh, combining on this project, and just I I really I really 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 think that Christopher Nolan with this story with a big budget can do wonders if you we see with tenant an original story warner brothers threw money at him and that was also like a spy type like a spy movie and like an espionage, espionage, espionage thriller. thriller so that's a warm-up with a huge budget imagine with a 007 budget with universal my god like inception had a little bit of that feel too like he like he would mm-hmm. he would knock it out of the park i think it's so clear and after taking on the on batman and like putting the twist on it that he did with the with the source material turning it into somewhat of an original story i thought it was incredible and i think he can do the same thing mm-hmm. um Moving on with the checkup, I also want to talk about another rumored casting. We apparently have Michael B. Jordan rumored to be starring in Luca Guadagnino's Scarface remake. This news comes from Newsweek. Ricky Flicks, what do you what do you think about the possibility of having Michael B. Jordan as the next Tony Montana? Interesting, Doctor O. Very interesting. I think. I can't think of someone that doesn't really like Michael B. Jordan as an actor. I think he's a wonderful actor and only big things to come from him. I know he was recently just in Just Mercy, which was critically acclaimed and didn't do extremely well at the box office. Came out a tough time uh, just after the holidays. And obviously it's, uh, January is kind of a tough box office window for movies. But and then also with uh, the other box, uh, big box uh, budget films that are coming out at the same time. But he showed how great of an actor he is in that and in previous roles before and this is going to be definitely something different as he's going to be very outlandish outlandish if he's going to play a tony montana esque character and i think it's a great spin as the first movie with tony montana i know you might jump into this because i know you wrote about it oh yeah i got with, to say about this with uh scarface that kind of focused on the Cuban, uh, the like Miami and the Cuban Escaping environment. Cuba, right? Escaping Escaping Cuba, immigrants. This one could focus Miami. on right, and now in 2020, this could focus on like the black community and and really focus on trying to get awareness for that. And Michael B. Jordan, one of the 
uh, biggest uh, black actors in Hollywood right now and one of the best uh, as well. This could really be a real come up for him or solidifying his A-list actor potential and just solidify it. Right. And I think Michael B. Jordan in this role directed by Luca Guadagnino, who has been quoted as saying that he wants this movie to shock people. What's a better shock than totally changing the narrative. Okay. Well, like having Tony Montana be an African-American, right. And it would be, it could make it very topical based on what's happening in America today. Not to mention dude, Scarface is was, was, and still is a cultural phenomenon. Okay. So like I, I made a joke in my blog, dude, you could still find dad's, like all over the country, you still make the corny one-line jokes, okay, quoting uh, Scarface, say hello to my little friend, okay, say that nonstop, you're going to still find a Scarface poster, uh, you, I would say one at an, in every three male dorm rooms in college, okay, it's still culturally relevant, and I think if you, if you uh, promoted it, in this day and age, with Michael B. Jordan, you could have another cultural phenomenon. I think it would, be, it would be unreal. Like, I can already see, like, the soundtrack being phenomenal. I can see Rick Ross on the soundtrack. Of course, yes. Kanye chipping in, maybe. Mm. Maybe Kendrick, you know, Kendrick Lamar is going to be on there. Everyone's going to want to be a part of this. It, would just, it, would, it has a chance to be, like, absolute heat. And, like, mm-hmm. I think it would, it would, it just could be something special that, uh, we haven't seen yet, obviously, in a, from a movie that's already been remade twice. Yes, and I know with the original Scarface, Brian De Palma was the director for, for the original Scarface, and he, Legend. yeah, acclaimed director like Carlito's Way, The Untouchables, Carrie, um, just to name a few. And really, I'm just interested to see what Guadagnino really does with this movie. I like that tongue tongue curl there. I have no idea if I pronounced that correctly. I'm just hoping I did. Neither did I. I was just going, I just, you got to say it with so much confidence. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But I would just really be interested to see if Guadagnino (laughs) brings in a story. Either, I know DePont was 80 years old. So, and he's, I don't think he's come out with a movie in a while, but either brings in someone from like that produced the original Scarface or helped with the the script alongside De Palma or someone else to make sure they still get that feel that Scarface feel to it. So it still doesn't lose its concrete, the its concrete, uh, its core. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. I like following the footsteps of De Palma is going to be tough, right? As you said, an incredible director and Guadagnino, his resume isn't too uh, buff. It isn't too stacked. It's got mm-hmm. call me by your name and tell me something else he's done. Probably can't. Okay. I but, cannot. Yeah. But, but it was, but it's a great was movie, such a great movie. And like the, I love like the the cinematography and the performances from that movie were unreal. It deserved the, all the acclaim it got, but definitely I got to see him put this in action before I say like I it has my stamp of approval. If you cast Michael B. Jordan, that's definitely going to help me help, help him give my stamp. If that yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It just brings like, yeah, exactly. It gives your, the audience a stamp of approval as in, yes, you got to bring an A-list actor in there. I can see this movie. Totally exactly. on page with you. Um, that does it for the checkup, uh, uh, Ricky Flex. What we are going to do now is bring in the movie trailer roundup, okay? We don't have as robust of a lineup as we had last week when it really was the greatest week ever in the history of tra- trailers, uh, where we had The Mandalorian, when we had Dune, we had No Time to Die, uh, we had the tri- Trial of the Chicago 7. We are only stuck with one trailer this week, but it happens to be an electric trailer, an electric teaser from the MCU who has been suspiciously quiet for the past 
uh, I would I want to say six months. Okay, Very ever suspicious. since Black Widow was delayed, uh, we had the first trailer at the Emmys last night for WandaVision. Okay, this is going to be the first series that will be uh, MCU miniseries that will be de- debuting on Disney Plus. We saw a little bit of wackiness. We saw a couple different timelines being used. Uh, or time settings, I should say, different decades. Flex, what was your initial reaction to seeing the WandaVision trailer? I think I speak for a lot of people out there where I'm very confused. <laughs> I says so casually. I'm just very confused with it. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Sugarcoat it. Jeez, can't talk again. Thanks, listeners. But uh, Spread it out. Come on, man. But um. I, I do have faith in this mo- in the series because it's Marvel and Paul Bet- Bettany and uh, Elizabeth Olsen. I do like them as their characters, especially when Elizabeth Olsen lost her accent. That was just strange from Age of Ultron. I really liked that. They just did an American accent and said, screw it. We don't, whatever the country she's from, we don't need it anyways. Right. But there is definitely a lot of le- a leeway here because, spoiler alert, but not really, Vision's dead. So <laughs> they can go anywhere with this, which makes it so interesting to me and entices me and to watch it more. I want right. to see like what... how the hell did they bring him back? And they even mentioned it in the trailer. They're talking or... like uh, Catherine mm-hmm. Hahn is in this. And then she was saying, even says the vision's face, you're dead. Yes. So like, like, are they in a different the dimension? Yeah. Right. Are they in a different dimension? Like, is it like a DC thing where there's, there's an earth too? And they went there somehow. Like the problem, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen, but the last thing I'll say before I kick it over to you, Doc, is also there's a scene that's very weird that Vision's wearing that green costume like the, on Halloween or something. And that is actually from the comics, like that yep. exact same costume. So I'm really interested to see how they're going to interwine that and the storylines from the comics. Right. And that image of uh, – it's like it's on Halloween, uh, if you could tell you, there's people in the background wearing costumes. Okay. So it's like his Halloween suit, it looks like, but obviously it could have further meaning. And that's like one of the still images we saw uh, a couple months ago when they released a couple images from the show where they had uh, Wanda Maximoff wearing the iconic uh, Scarlet Witch outfit from the comics. Okay. Yes, so I think it, they could do something special there. But uh, man, like just the vibe of it is so off the beaten path from Marvel. It has me so intrigued, right? It's got, you got literally, they didn't, they weren't kidding when Kevin Feige was saying that it's going to be a mix of Dick Van Dyke and Roseanne. Like he, like you literally <laughs> have the 50 sitcom. They do. They, they incorporate a laugh track in yeah, the black and white. Uh, it seems weird. Just, I, like it's, no, but the, but the thing is here, Flex, okay? You need to change something in Phase 4. This is kicking off a whole new age of the MCU. They got to mm-hmm. do something bold. They got to do something different to show they're still evolving. I love this move. The only thing I was really disappointed in is that we have no idea who the villain is. We have no idea in no that idea. aspect. But we also have no idea what the hell is going on in general with this trailer. Um. And to, uh, just seeing a couple of the uh, act- actresses that are involved with this project, we have Catherine Hahn, as I mentioned before. It's kind of funny to see her in an MCU project because all I can think of is her being uh, Dale's girlfriend and stepbrothers. <laughs> right? That's the only yes. thing I think of. And like her and, hit, and her banging him in the bathroom. That's like literally the oh, only thing I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, like I, I can't see her in a, in 
an MCU movie. And then, not only do we have her in this movie, we have Eric Foreman's mom from that 70s show oh in God, this movie. Right. And kind she, of perfect in the setup, though. I, was, I agree, dude. It, when I look at her and I hear her talk, I'm like, oh, my God. She was made to be on a black and white screen with a laugh track. Yes, she was. A sitcom yes. mom, like, perfect. It's perfect. I just don't want to hear her annoying laugh the entire time. Other than oh, that, I'm totally okay with yes, it. Yes, forgot about that for a second. Now regroup. Then back to what <laughs> yeah. you said with needing to change. Totally agree. It's similar to like a sports team in the offseason. Like you win a championship. If you don't change your team, people figure you out, you out, or you're just not as original as you were before, so you get figured out. Or you just need to change up the culture, change up your personnel. And that's what Marvel's doing here with this little unique WandaVision series here. And mm-hmm. they're going and they're going to learn from this. They're going to improve, see how the audience reacts to this, and it keeps people interested. People are going to be inter- interested because it's a little different, but it's still the characters they know. And it and also they're also a Disney company, right? So you have to stay original. That's their huge thing: Imagineering, staying original. Walt Disney, that's his way. Rest in peace. But that's why I'm so <laughs> interested in this movie or series. I keep saying movie series. Let's go. And this is going to kick it all off because initially you were going to have the Falcon and the Winter Soldier that was supposed to debut last month if it weren't for freaking COVID. But uh, we're getting this instead. I think it's uh, – they weren't clear when it's exactly going to debut, but a lot of people are speculating it's December 2020 on Disney+. Plus. But uh, it's going to be kicking off Phase 4, especially if Black Widow's not coming out uh, and, and if Black Widow gets pushed back to 2021. So uh, it's going to be must-watch. It's going to be must watch. Must watch. So that does it for the checkup. That does it for the trailer roundup. We are now going to move on to the featured portion of this episode. We are, we have made it after months and months upon waiting, right? Patiently slash impatiently. We are finally here to review Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Are we ready? Ricky flex do it okay so looking at tenant uh i could try and describe this movie to you i could give you the synopsis but i really don't know how much that will help but let's give it a shot anyway oh slow down there buckaroo we got spoilers for christopher nolan's tenant coming up if you have not seen the movie please skip to later in the podcast all right here it goes it's lit a secret agent embarks on a dangerous, time-bending mission to prevent the start of World War III. That's the synopsis online. That's what you get. What you see in the movie, I wouldn't say you completely know. And I don't know if I – like, I, I could maybe – like, the thing is, I told – my review for this movie, I, re, I tried to write down – any review I write for this website, it's spoiler-free, so anyone could read it. But at the, I preface at the beginning of my review – I couldn't spoil this movie if I wanted to, mm. right? Because I didn't know exactly what was going on, and I'm not sold Christopher Nolan knew exactly what was going on with this movie, Ricky Flex. I feel like Christopher Nolan just gets off at people not understanding his movies, and then he just can see on social media people complaining about it. I feel like he loves that. Oh, yeah, obviously. Like, looking at the past – sorry for that for the listeners. I was My computer was getting all fogged up. Um yeah, I mean, look at his movies. Inception, it almost, it almost gets more confusing as you go along, right? You have, first of all, you had the mind, you had Memento, then you had Inception, 
right? And now you have Tenet. And then mixed in there, you have like a war epic that's easy to follow along. Interstellar. Like the Batman, easy to follow along. Interstellar is also, sorry, almost forgot the most confusing one. But I would argue Tenet Prestige. is way more confusing than Interstellar. I think I'm, I'm yes, actually confident in that. I agree. I think this is the most confusing movie of all time by a lot. It's like, not even for Christopher Nolan. It's just like, in general, it's the most confusing movie we've ever seen. Um, the plot, uh, the thing is, you don't get much, starting off with the characters, you don't get much background because you're supposed to be like revealing, their, their past is being revealed at the same time you're watching the movie. Right. So it's like tough to know what you're watching at the time. So it's like, or, and it's tough to gain an understanding of these characters and what they're trying to do. And I got to just, we got to talk about the biggest part of this movie. This is the biggest complaint for a lot of viewers, okay, that go to the movies to see this. It's the sound mixing, okay? Mm-hmm. And the way you hear the dialogue in this movie, a lot of times it's muffled, okay? Or, and it's covered by the bombastic sounds going on in the background, okay? And it, I don't know if it was just the accents, right? There's got a t- couple different, like, uh, you know, people from different countries associated with this movie talking. Then we saw it in IMAX, but then I read it in a couple of reviews. It really doesn't matter what format you see it. It's hard to understand the characters, okay? So, Flix, was that a big uh, impediment to your movie experience? I think it was huge. I know some people that, I guess, have better uh, listening skills than me, but I, I saw it in IMAX as well, and I thought that the sound mixing was horrendous. I thought even in normal conversations, you could hear in, in the IMAX sound system that the under the back the back uh, the the music in the background was just in, was towering over Robert Pattinson's soft voice, and I couldn't understand just simple conversations such as the conversation when there's when the uh, no spoilers, but. Just their first real conversation, you couldn't really understand exactly what they're going to do, and then all of a sudden, like they're jumping off buildings. So, but like you didn't even understand why John David Washington really meets Robert Pattinson in the first place. I I, like at least least how they met, like like how they like came together. But then like it's kind of explained at the end that really they're kind of going back through time, and Pattinson's known him before type of situation. Oh, is that that's a big spoiler? That was a huge spoiler. Sort of. I don't know. I think so that's like the only thing you could spoil out of this movie. That no way. What is it? See, like yes. I, don't want, I don't even know how to have a freaking discussion about this All movie. Right, then let's just get into spoilers. Oh fuck! I don't even know what to say. Um, we'll put in a sound clip uh, before this and say, "Hey, spoilers!" Well, for like ten minutes, five minutes, you're gonna like hear non-spoilers, and you're gonna see why. Well, let's. let's I'm gonna give the movie credit. Where it's, where it's due, the effects were unreal. Like, unreal. like I was like, mm-hmm. I was floored by a few of the scenes. There were some mind-bending scenes, obviously, with the time, with the motion going backwards. Okay, obviously, must have been hard to shoot. And Nolan has admitted these are a lot of practical effects. There's barely any CGI used. Okay, if you've seen some behind-the-scenes footage that was being used, it looks pretty unreal. All right, so I understand the fact when when John David Washington said this is going to change the uh, slate of movies for the next 15 years. All right. I believe that. Okay. But no one's going to make a movie like this ever again. Like no one's going to make a movie where the sound mixing is so poor that it, it literally ruins the rest of the movie. Cause like, like I gave this movie a 65, but I think I gave it more. If, if, if Christopher Nolan didn't make this movie, I would have ranked it so much lower. I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Mm. So flicks, if someone else made this movie, let's say a no name director, Right? Would you rate as highly as you did? 
So, all right. I think it depends. I think I need to say something for the listeners. I saw this twice and I saw the first time in IMAX and the first half of the movie, I, I know I just complained about the dialogue, but I understood, I guess, the main plot points up until a certain point. And I guess we're doing spoilers now, so I could say that. And it is at the point where John David Washington and Robert Pattinson uh, are in the car trying to get that, the, what they didn't know at the time was not plutonium, but algor- the algorithm, that, mm-hmm. that, one, that one piece of the algorithm. And they see the car going backwards and it's actually, yeah, and so on. But that was like the point where I was just like, okay, now I'm lost. And the first time I saw it. But the second time, I did not see it in IMAX the second time. I wrote a blog about this, about how I saw it in Dolby Digital. Okay. Unbelievable sound quality there. The sound, because the Dolby Digital Theater, it's based off of Dolby Atmos technology sound. Okay. So that sound is just a lot better and controlled than IMAX quality sound. And with IMAX, it's just loud, right? It's just super loud. Like in Dunkirk, the pe- in the premiere of Dunkirk, they had 30 people that survived Dunkirk go see the film. And they said it was louder in there than it was actually on the beach of Normandy. Wow. That's incredible. And so that's, that just shows, I, I was, go ahead. It just shows how obnoxious kind of that no one is with, with uh, just trying to sh- give the audience something. That's why he always presses I want this in theaters. I want you to see it in theaters. Experience this for yourself like you're there. You know what? It's not like you're there. It's, it's, more, it's even more realistic or impossible from that. But he wants mm-hmm. you to experience that. And when I saw it in Dolby, it was still incredibly loud. But in those dialogues, in those conversations, those one-on-one conversations, you could understand it perfectly clear. Perfectly I, I, clear. I wanted to see it again. I still do want to see it again. Maybe I'll have to see it in Dolby. But I, I did a lot of reading afterwards. And a lot of people had the same issue, whether they saw an IMAX or not. Okay. But if, if, liter- if I heard this movie and I could understand like the majority of what the characters were saying, I would have rated it so much higher uh-huh. because there were so many great performances here. John David Washington was solid in the lead. He solid. He could lead a Christopher Nolan movie, right? But he wasn't the best actor here. I thought Robert Pattinson was very, very good, okay? He was literally the consummate, like, smooth guy. He could play James Bond if he really wanted to, if he wanted to bulk up, to be honest. But Good shout. I thought he was great, and, like, everything he's in is awesome. We're going to review Devil all the time soon enough. I mean, we we got a taste of what he's going to look like as Batman. He's honestly maybe like the hottest actor on the planet right now. The dude is on fire. Everything he touches turns to gold, okay? So he was sensational. I also loved Elizabeth Debicki in this role as Mm -hmm. the sad wife of Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, she was great. She was, I thought she brought an emotional touch to this movie that really you, you needed because you felt so out of, touch with the rest of the movie right she was that emotional touch who like her love for her kid i really that's like the acting performance that i really remember most okay or that i enjoyed the most um but going along let's go into the plot a little bit okay because it was extremely hard to follow and almost intentionally so right by nolan okay i thought it was almost they were trying to i guess connect parts together right in a confusing manner that it took the it took me and a lot of the audiences that i've like i've talked to people seen this movie they got taken out of the movie so early with the explanations with what was what was 
you're trying to figure out so early on what's happening. Okay. So it's just people were confused right off the bat and all Definitely. of a sudden they give up on it. We saw the movie with our dad, right? And he, let's see the first part of the movie, first 10 minutes, he doesn't know what's going on. He goes to his phone. You've lost him for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. You cannot take a minute off from paying attention. Right. And if you do, yes. you're out. This is movie. This movie is not for millennials. The movie is not for millennials, right? They can't hold their attention. They can't focus on and actually know what's going on when it comes to the plot of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that like, even you said the log line, which was incredibly broad, and that's not really right. Like it wasn't to start World War Three. It was because the future was mad at them over pollution. Uh, according to that Kenneth Branagh speech at the end, which was incredibly unclear because the sound was so loud and you couldn't even understand the huge payoff of why this is even going on, which mm-hmm. was, I thought was ridiculous because the whole point of the movie, you can't even, under, you can't even hear it and understand what he's saying to, to get to that point of what you were craving and wondering, why is this all happening? So I really dislike that a lot. And just speaking of Kenneth Branagh, I thought he would, everyone's praising him for this. Uh, like why i i maybe understood 50 percent of the words he said not only that it just i just didn't find him very compelling at all like why were people praising him he was the same tone he was the same just like in like internally angry person the entire movie i really don't understand I, i i totally agree i just don't understand it he didn't do anything that stood out to me nothing yeah I mean, I, I was looking forward to him in this role. He's played, obviously, in uh, Nolan movies before. I thought he was an interesting choice for the villain mm-hmm. of this. I thought there was other options he could have gone with. But, um, yeah, he didn't really bring much to the table. And I, I literally didn't understand half the words he said, right? I understood the most important ones, and I kind of I kind of like use context clues to know what's going on. Yep. But he was the most muddled voice out of anybody, in my opinion. Yeah, and – Going back to the pollution slash climate change issue, are you kidding me? Like, that's the real, that was such a bad payoff, especially for a Christopher Nolan movie, original. All this reverse time, going backwards, and crazy special effects. You surround, and incredible, just interwinding plot lines, like things that you have to do in order to connect time and what's happened has happened, famous patents in line from this whole movie. And then you just mm-hmm. say, Oh, it's because of climate change. Future's mad at you. the future's mad at us. What? That's terrible. That is such a letdown. I almost I never gonna walk out of the Christopher Nolan theater movie, let alone most movies ever in a movie theater because I'm just too polite. Not gonna lie, but I was so angry because the first time I saw that when I knew I didn't know what was coming because I was that was like what was keeping me in this, keeping me out from just on the edge of my seat super focused, not paying attention to any popcorn uh, snackers around me, just chewing absurdly loud, no names. But it was just, <laughs> I was so let down from that. So mm. let down. Ah, man, I wanted to love this movie so much. Mm-hmm. Right? It was like, it was yours and Nez's most anticipated movie of the year. Oh, okay? by far. Mine was Dune, and still mm-hmm. I still have hopes that that will come out in 2020, although that's looking bleaker and bleaker. But I Man, the acting performances were good. The effects were unreal. Uh, the the plane the plane crash scene lived up to the hype. There were some jaw dropping moments where you had a classic Nolan twist come out of nowhere. Um, but it just um, the, the the sound ruined the movie for me. So I, I've said that long enough. I've harped on it long enough. It could, if if I understood what was happening, 
through the dialogue, it would have made it easier to understand. It would have made it easier to get. Definitely. Definitely. But going off of the sound as well, just to say something good about it. I do think that the music and the score was phenomenal. Oh my gosh, dude. I thought this was the best score in any Nolan movie. And it wasn't even a Hans Zimmer score. That's what's so shocking about it. Hans Zimmer's like the goat score guy, right? Mm -hmm. Composer. And this was just phenomenal. I think this is by far in the lead. And I can't picture a better score coming out this year. I know it's really, because I know a lot of movies are coming out now, surprisingly, or are scheduled to come out, I should say. Cross your fingers, folks. But this is going to be so tough to beat. This is definitely, this should, this easily the leader in the clubhouse for an Oscar. I, I did, I did make note of that in my review is that the score was unbelievable mm-hmm. and that helped keep me like going, kept me in yeah, the movie. Yeah. Kept the momentum going, making you want yeah. to keep like paying attention to each scene, each line and the back. And like I said, with the background, when I couldn't understand like the simple conversation between Pattinson and GW in the Dolby, it was even better because you're shaking in your seat because mm-hmm. the, the seat, uh, has the same tone as the movie and the sound travels like actually from where you're sitting. And you could like, if uh, I used it in my blog that if like a, if you're on the beach, like in Dunkirk and a seagull flew by and you're on the left side of the screen and a seagull is going from right to left, you're going like to hear headphones on. Exactly. Yeah. The seagull is going to come. It's going to, the sounds going to slowly creep up on you. But if you're sitting right next to the right side of the screen, you're going to hear that right away. And then it's going to go far away from you. The sound. Right. That's it's amazing. Cool. And in this movie, it was pure, especially in the scene where JDW was uh, being went the test with the pill. Yep. That scene with the train was crazy when the train was coming at you. And then it was like they were passing by and, oh, that was incredible in the Dolby. So much better mm-hmm. than IMAX because that one, it was like, I know I saw some people around in the IMAX theater that were like plugging their, I'm, I'm uh, putting my fingers in my ears, plugging their uh, ears in because it was so loud isn't that crazy I've never seen that at a movie you didn't see that it was insane people wow. were just plugging their ears in and i actually thought that, that says was something about this movie mm-hmm. it says something about it yeah you're, that is right that is right but i thought the sound was great uh, the sound uh, music was great and i think the action scenes were phenomenal the scene in the kitchen where JDW is fighting those guys and then he just comes out looking suave oh yeah the cheese grater the, the cheese yeah, grater the cheese grater the crap out of him yeah, and then he comes out of it and like adjusts his suit and his like, new suit that Michael Caine basically bought for that, him. That that scene, uh, I don't know if we're committing to spoilers or not, or just we are. Spoilers. This is spoilers. But when we found out that John David Washington was fighting himself, like in that scene when Pattinson tells him not to kill that guy, and then Pat, then John, da- then Pattinson sees John David Washington. He looks at him and like gives him a nod. Yep. it's like. Oh, that that part blew my mind. I literally took my hat off and I was like rocking in my chair. Mm. So I'm like this is why I watch a Nolan movie. Right. I want to see those like jaw dropping moments where I can't believe the only Nolan would think of something so nuts. Right. And then, like the like, I, and my dumb brain wasn't good enough to recognize that was John David Washington in the beginning when he first was fighting himself. Okay. Right. But it's just like that's the type of scene that I freaking love. That's why I watch Nolan movies. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, well, another scene I liked, it was so subtle and it was so like unimportant to the plot was when they're um when they're sailing, right? When they're in the boat, not sailing. That was a cool like, scene, a good change boat. of pace. Yeah. Then the, the the score rocking in the background, mm. but also it gave the viewer, right, the audience a break. Right from listening to the dialogue, trying to follow what's going on, you had a couple minutes of literally mindless entertainment. 
all right? And you, they, they were speaking, like they, they, you understood the dialogue more. They took a break. You literally gave your, your brain a, a break. Yeah. And I did like that. And then eventually, okay, ready to turn the gears back on. Let's try and follow what's going on, right? Definitely. But, uh, yep, the action, the acting, the score, all unbelievable. Uh, but, yeah. And obviously, you know my, my detractions. Right. And then going back to where it's like a no one movie and you're seeing those like plot lines and patents and telling them don't kill them and what or hit them oh, touch them. Sick. But like when I saw it a second time and it's when Pattinson first, when Pattinson and JDW meet for the first time and then Pattinson's Orient drink and he's like, Oh, he'll have uh, a seltzer. And then John David Washington goes, I like diet Coke. And then he goes, no, you don't. And then, <laughs> and then John David Washington goes, uh, yeah, I do. And then Robert Pattinson goes, oh, I know you don't drink on the job. And then he's like, I've done my research. No, you didn't. You just know him, dude. That's so sick how you just like, it's like the prestige where it's with but like them. in the moment you don't know, like as the viewer, but then you right. look back on it, you're like, watching oh, it a like, second the, time was like, so like, sick. And you're like, that's the genius of the, the screenwriting by right. Nolan, the way he thinks about these things and like how he knows the viewer, it's going to hit them. And when it hits them, they're going to think about those past moments, like the drink you're talking about. It's just those little aspects yeah. right, make his movies so damn good. Yeah, no one, the, no one movies are like the king of watching a second time. Oh, yeah. You can just pick them apart, but pick them apart in a good way saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, or point at this scene. This is where <laughs> right. this happened. Oh, that's my God, like I the, get that. Like the, I actually understand it, Dr. Like, o. That's when you like, look on Twitter, and then you see, like, oh, there was this hidden thing. You never noticed this about a movie, whatever. Nolan's the king of that. Yes, Nolan's I agree. Those type of tweets where they, you, okay, Inception, whatever, you see this moment. This meant that Leo was really in this uh dimension or whatever or this dream or his own dream or whatever mm-hmm. it was like it's like that type of stuff where he ex- like those movies hit yeah i like yeah i think you're right on that uh what did you give for a score on this ricky flex so if we did this after i saw it first time i would have and when i saw it in imax i probably would have been in the 50s i probably would have been like a 52 not going to lie, because I just didn't understand everything, all the dialogue. I couldn't appreciate it. Or I could have said no score, to be honest, because I really couldn't understand it. Just I, like I, pass. I, you could have just taken just, a pass. I, I need to see episode. it at home when I, I don't have I good sound quality. I honestly might do that. I, I, I should have done that, actually. But, I give it 65. But. Like a, or a not yet. Like no score yet. N-S-Y. That's what our, should, our uh, thing should be if we ever mm-hmm. do that again. But hopefully not for the listeners. But I did see it twice. The second time, I did not see an IMAX. And this movie, very high concept, original story that tried maybe a little too hard, a little arrogant by Nolan, trying to change action thrillers for the future, right? Trying to change the movie industry. Like a James Bond or Mission Impossible movie, very unique story though. And with his themes of time and the mind twisting action scenes, like the Boeing crashing into the freelance. And it's really tough. But then again, you have some great acting performances. Maybe the lead, I wasn't in love with John David Washington. I think he's a good actor, not a great actor. I thought it was but solid, man. I, I, think the supporting, solid. I think the supporting cast with Pattinson and Elizabeth, uh, the, the Becky, yeah, I think I'm just saying, again. The Becky, the yeah, yeah, they upped the answer. I think they, they, upped, upped it. they upped it. I'm going to go 75. 
75. Solid movie then. Solid, solid yes. Solid Definitely score. see it a second time, non IMAX. I think you'll like it a lot more. And Dude, that's surprising I, I, for me to say. If this is like the first time one of our listeners is listening to me talk about a movie, you're going to think I'm literally the dumbest person alive. And then I've warned Ricky Flicks when we reviewed this, uh, we're either going to like talk about this for five minutes or we're going to talk about it for 20 minutes and sound literally like the dumbest people. Ricky Flicks luckily saw it twice, but I am just struggling to talk about this right now. Just, that's, how, that's how much of a mind bender this thing was. It was crazy. And I just, uh, not even just a mind bender. It was more of just like incomprehensible. Yeah. And like we were saying, like with, you know, not being able to understand enti- entire points, like plot points, the dialogue, you just can't have a movie. Like at the end you go, like you understand, like let's say you understood this movie, like from start to finish, you understood the dialogue completely. And you think it's great, but some, you can't have just some people have that, like the very minority and some people like us, the first time they see it and go, I don't understand what happened. And we're very, like, I'm going to say above average in intelligence, uh, based on average, not going to lie. I'd like to think so, I am. I'm really not sure after seeing this movie, but, but it needs to be a movie needs to be great under all circumstances, no matter what kind of like circum, uh, circumstances there are and to live up it doesn't necessarily have to live yeah, up to the hype you shouldn't have live to up. Go to a movie like oh i'm not gonna go see this in imax i'm gonna see this in order to yes exactly talk. you shouldn't have to see it in dolby to listen to robert pattinson talk i think right. that was ridiculous and I know, shot with imax cameras that's what i was, I was literally about to say Damn it, shoots sorry. It with imax cameras so you think you, you should see it in imax but i'm telling you right now like at least for me and i I allegedly have perfect hearing according to my physical. I, I don't think I do because I just didn't understand it. But then again, I'm with the majority on this. It feels like. Yeah. I mean, all right. So 75 from Ricky Flex, 65 from Dr. O that's our review of tenant. I'm good. Definitely going to go see it again. Maybe Ricky Flex will come with me. It'll be his third time, but uh, might, might raise it. my score. That does it for Christopher Nolan's much anticipated blockbuster. Next, uh, I'm going to throw it over to Ricky Flex in order, uh, in order to introduce this week's top billing. Okay. We might have our most anticipated top billing of all time. How about of all time? It's going to be the top billing of Christopher Nolan movies. So I should say this is going to be a little precursor for you listeners. We are going to do it as a single top billing for the drive-in podcast. So Dr. O and I will combine for this rankings. Collaborative this list. Yeah. So one single top five. So Dr. O, should I list out all the Christopher Nolan directed credit movies? Yes. So I think what, how we should do this, let's, you're going to read them off. And then after you read them off, we're, let's gonna, we're gonna, we'll, we'll decide which ones definitely aren't there. And then okay. we go from there. I think that'll be harder than you think, but we will go. Okay. So just a precursor, we're only using full featured movies. Okay. So no videos, no documentary shorts or TV shorts. It's got to be a full film that he directed. So I'm going to go in order from his first to most recent mm-hmm. following 1998 memento 2000 insomnia, 2002, Batman Begins, 2005, The Prestige, 2006, The Dark Knight, 2008, I believe. I hope I got that right. Inception, 2010, Dark Knight Rises, 2012, Interstellar, I want to say 2014. Yep, 2014. Dunkirk, 2017, and then Tenet this year. 
So, Dr. O, which of those 10-ish movies do you think don't – like, definitely no. Let's just eliminate right Tenet now. does not belong there. Tenet is off. <laughs> I'm I agree. Not in my top five. Tenet top, is off top or billing. top five. That might grow over time. Like, the kind of like Interstellar. I honestly has, think – Like, Interstellar over time has kind of, like, grown into, like, a top five movie, I would say, generally. Tenet could do that. Right now, I'm so pissed off at that movie. It's not the top. I five. definitely get bad vibes from you, Doctor O, for Tenet, and I'm telling you, the second time I'm you're sorry, gonna see man. it, you're I'm really sorry. gonna like I, it I more. Think disappointing people too. I've, I'm sorry. I just like this movie. Like Tenet is definitely worth. I know we're stopping this top, this top billing for one second. Yeah. Go see this movie if you feel comfortable in COVID environment. I'm telling oh, you. Oh yeah. Like, no, no, it's it's go worth see it, it for the effects. Yep. Or just like it. even if you don't understand it, like. Go see it just in case you like you don't like that'll be interesting yeah. to see and like tell people and like experience for yourself. Like how many times mm-hmm. you're gonna go to a movie theater and just not know what's gonna happen? Get cultured. But then what do you know? Maybe you get it the first time. Like yeah. some people they, did. They, you probably have a smarter brain than me anyway. Yeah, and me. But okay, so tenant is off the list. And I'm gonna make fine, then throw it over to me. I say get following off the list. <laughs> oh yeah, I think that's a gimme. Perfect. All right, so then that's Insomnia gone. Whoa, 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 whoa. You what? You have that in your top five? Insomnia. Let's talk this through. Let's let's just talk it through. Do you know the cast of that movie? Did you see? I don't care about the cast. I know Robin Williams in that movie was terrific. I wish he had more screen time in it. You're gonna have like that over the top, right? Nolan movies. Insomnia. Over a dark night, over an inception, over an interstellar, over That's a three. dunk curve, over a prestige, mm. over a memento. It's nowhere near those movies. I agree. I just want to start controversy. Okay. So we can eliminate that one. Okay. We're definitely going to have go. some disagreements in there. I already have my solidified top five. I haven't done it. So I'm doing it on the fly. Okay. So I, I want to talk about another movie. Unless you have to want to, I know we should throw it back over to you, actually. I mean, I can give I, you I'm the jumping ones the gun that are on right my now. list. I can give you the ones that are I can no, give you no, no, no. Name one movie right now that you think... It's not just, top five? Yeah. Dark Knight Rises. So do you think that's better than Batman Begins? Or not? No. I agree. I like Batman I think, Begins more than the Dark Knight Rises. That's like my thing with superhero movies. I think movies. that's a hot take, So, so my so The thing with superhero movies is that the origin story is almost 100% better than the rest of the sequels after it, right? So, like, look at Iron Man, easily better than any of the sequels. Captain America, no. Very odd scenario there. But other movies, like, definitely, definitely follow this. And Batman Begins is so much better than Dark Knight Rises, in my opinion. And I think that the first time you see it, you might not understand it completely because you might not know the character of Batman because you see this... Orphan. And it's a different origin story. It's like different it's, than the like the normal Batman story. Like right, that. but Dark Knight Rises, you think, oh, Batman! I'm seeing Batman come back. Like this is awesome. But just as a pure movie, I think no one did a terrific job incorporating the crime of Gotham and the rise of Batman. I agree with you. Dark Knight yeah, Rises, we can eliminate right the grime of Gotham City. Right, the rise of Batman. Liam Neeson is underrated. Right, as Razal so underrated. Like I, he doesn't get talked about in the same breath as Bane. And Bane, yes, he's cool, he's jacked, but once again, like he's someone that like he's he's muffled up voice. Some some people think what he did to Gotham was uh, almost exaggerated, whereas it was like almost like too much. Like, it was way too. All right, like, I'll him, be one like of those him, people. Like him taking out 
all of the Gotham PD. It just seemed like it was unrealistic. Yes, Ra's al Ghul seemed to have some mystified abilities, but he, it was like he was so much more ah, – I don't know how to describe it. He was just uh, so much more believable Mystique. as a villain. Right? He wasn't like um, – he was much – he had that mystique factor. I guess, yeah. I would and say that, that suave that I talked about earlier with a Bond character, but he had it as a villain. He just commanded the screen and we had that vo- he had a strong voice and just that that mindset that I, what I'm doing is right. And what right. You, like Batman like He seems so committed to his, uh, his cause. To, yeah, to his cause. Right? He was willing to he didn't like care. Bane he was, was challenging him. Bane was just there to cause havoc. Like I know he's a part like not part of the League of Shadows, but like fulfilling the League of Shadows destiny. But you didn't get that same like determination from like Araza Cool. And Liam yeah. Neeson, just an Oscar winning actor. I know Tom Hardy is nominated and we were just praising him. But like as the Bane voice, he did great, but you couldn't understand it completely. Unlike the Liam Neeson suave voice and also just a great mentor than villain, which you see in a lot of origin yeah, movies. Yeah, that relationship he established with Bruce in the beginning of Batman Begins, right? That's mm-hmm. just it's, – it's great. Like, like that story is great. And, it, and he ends up, like, ending that kind of arc in The Dark Knight Rises with Liam Neeson. Yeah. With Ra's al Ghul. It's definitely cool to see. So, yeah, I have Batman Begins ahead of it. And then okay. uh, kind of that introduced the world to this new type of Batman. I remember seeing that movie when I was younger. I didn't even realize I was going in to see a Batman movie. It didn't feel like a Batman movie. It was something completely different. So oh, completely uh, and I think different. it really paved the way. What, what was that? Completely different. Yeah. And it, it's really, it wasn't like a Michael Keaton. It wasn't a George Clooney. It wasn't a Val Kilmer. It wasn't this com- this uh, campy type of movie. Campy, it's, love the word like, there. It was word choice a there. real life Batman. So it was just, uh, that's why. More believable Batman, Batman, unlike Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises, they kind of go like into the extremes a little bit with what Mm -hmm. could have happened. But yeah. Okay, so fine, my turn. Batman Begins off the list. After we just talked about it and rated Batman Begins off the list. (laughs) It's not on my final list. (laughs) Not even close. I get off the list. But Batman Begins, I I don't want to call it a masterpiece because it's not, but it's a fantastic movie. Yes, great movie. All right, this is where I think it gets tough. I already know what I would say, but Doc, what do you got to get off this list? Dude, okay, so what are we down to? We're down We're, to... I can list them off if you want. Go ahead. Prestige, Inception, Memento, Dunkirk, Interstellar, Dark Knight, Memento. That's what we have left. And oh we have God. to eliminate I have my list two, set. One. Um, I, I kind of have a bias towards one of these movies, and I think it's a one that you will have on your list that I don't. Um. And I think when I say it, this is going to be our first disagreement. Be careful. Be careful. I'm going to put Memento off the list. I'm putting Memento off the list. Okay. I know you you have it on or not. Let's talk about it. Okay. Let's 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 air some feelings out. So, Memento, what do you, what do you, just, what do you think? about Guy Pierce and his this his role in this movie and then how no one interwines that character development into the end. What do you think about that? Well it's movie? it's all it's very unique. I don't think I've never seen a movie with the plot that it has. It's 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 and you feel like you're on the same ride as the character as Guy Pierce because he doesn't know what's going on and then you don't know what's going on, but then you find out at the same time, right? that he does right that what's going on with his character if that does that make sense to you 
It does. It does. But obviously, he's he's going to forget it because he has the temp. He's a very temporary memory. But he's learning it at the same time. I thought it was a very unique idea, and the climax of that movie is insane, right? And I enjoyed it very much. Him not knowing the truth behind certain people in his life. I thought right. the the bar. You don't need to spoil it, but yes, right. You right. did a good job. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm kind of trying not to do the bar but scene. Yes, the bar scene is incredible to watch. Like how methodical it is. Okay, and then when you find out the truth about uh, Carrie Ann Moss's character, all right, the bartender and how he meets her and everything like that, I thought it was truly spectacular, okay? But um, I don't find it that rewatchable, right? Because when you've, seen it one, when you've seen it one time, you're just like, okay, I know what happens. It's like you know the big reveal. But I feel like it's just like what we were talking about with Tenet where if you rewatch – that's just like the prime – no one movie that you would rewatch so you can understand that, it better and then see all these little nitty gritty dialogue and then how these plot lines connect. And I feel like you kind of need like to see it a second time so you can fully understand it, the, it. Even if you watch it the first time, you still could gauge what's going on. No, oh, I no, I completely agree. I'm just saying, like watching it, the more I feel like the more you watch this, I know the ending. Like any movie, you're, like the first time you see an ending, you're never gonna get that same. I guess so. Again. I guess that's just. But I feel like opinion. so. All right, we can. I had this in my top five, and it was not even my number five. I know this is it's a great last... movie, dude. Like they're all, I, they're all. Good. I know, I know, I know. This is, this is the last cancellation. I know it's like... This is the last cancellation before we get into our official top billing. Before we rank our top billing, but I'll let you have this one. We'll see. Just like which one would you have off? We're down to six. Dunker. Take one off. I'll take out Dunkirk. I disagree wholeheartedly. I'm a huge history buff. I think that's one of the most historically accurate movies we've seen in a very long time, right? I don't care what these people say about the sound effects of the damn movie who were in Dunkirk. <laughs> that, okay? That's not what I, I would say. I care about, about that. I thought maybe you don't want to say the acting performances were that great in it. I thought they were fine. I thought they were powerful. There wasn't a lot of dialogue in it. That really didn't take away much for me. Um, I thought it was told in a totally unique way for any war movie, three different settings, three different timelines. You're talking from the, uh, the land, you're going from the sea and the air. It's, and it's uh, a story that needed to be told in Hollywood. I thought he tackled it perfectly. I thought good Dunkirk. I know that one is like slept on by a lot of people. Like people dismiss it all the time from Nolan. I think it's deservedly so on in that top five. I don't say I dismiss it, but I definitely just don't put it in as high regard as the others. And I feel like this is a very underrated movie. And like you said, we're talking about great movies here, like some of the best movies made in the past 30 years. But I think that as a war movie for another top billing, it's one of the best war movies I've seen. But I did not, I did not, I didn't love the different storylines of it. I know it was interesting to see the different air, the different plot lines and how they're interwinding or intervening mm-hmm. or yeah, interwinding. But Tom Hardy, I wish he had more in it, like as in more lines and more of a concrete main character role or even more of a concrete minor character role because who is like the main character? You don't really know. And who is the minor character? They're all minor characters. And right. I really think that like this Killian Murphy storyline I thought was terrible you didn't like that that was a third of the movie i thought it was terrible well yeah no but the whole thing about that the best part of killian murphy being in this movie is mark rylance's character dude yes he, he was great i think that's yes no agreed out and like this movie it's 
this this is why people like don't really like it if you're not into the story as much because it's like literally might like as a history buff this is what my favorite event of the 20th century this movie was needed to be made and i the think evacuation that evacuation at dunkirk yeah. was such an important moment of the 20th century and during world war ii it needed to be told and like literally this is the only way you were going to do it and uh like yeah, Mark, it, like Mark Rylance was so good in this movie. I thought he could have gotten a best supporting actor nom. That's how good I think he was in this. No, I agree. I think Mark Rylance honestly had the only great performance in this, or even good performance in this. I think the other yeah, people weren't bad, but but they weren't bad. But there were just solid, decent performances. I really didn't find anything to stand out besides his performance, and I just really didn't like a third of the plot line. But if you could promise me it doesn't go higher than number five. It'll be in our top billing. And if you don't, and we talk about the sound of Christopher Nolan movies, like it might not be going by score, even though the score for Dunkirk is very good. You're going by sound. It's the, I would say it's the best in terms of like. I agree. The sound. I definitely agree with that. Yes. Sound mixing, I should say. Like it sounds incredible. It sounds like you just mentioned those soldiers who said it was louder and it sounded like even more violent than the actual. Dunkirk. Right. Okay. I just like, I, I, that's me being a history guy that I, I loved it that much, but, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so Dunkirk, I, I, we'll, it will hey, be put it at five. Dunkirk is our number five on the top billing. Let's, all right. What's the, I had it at four. It's at four on my list. So so I what was your number five. five? What was your number five? The prestige. Hmm. <laughs> How high do you have the prestige? Number two. How high do you have the prestige? This movie is criminally underrated. I hate how people just hate on this movie. This movie is honest. I definitely don't hate on it. Oh, I know. I'm not saying you do, but people just don't appreciate how crazy but controlled this movie is. People just think it's outlandish and unrealistic. No crap. It's a freaking movie about magicians using uh, one magician technology and. Yes, but I think it's the greatest reveal, like ending reveal in the history of movies. I, I honestly will say that. Psychological thrillers easily. It's, I think it's, it's, it's... The prestige is in the top five. I'm willing to put it And I'm not going to give it away if you haven't seen it, but go see this movie. Or not go, but watch this movie. Honestly, like it, it was the, at the time I saw it, and I think it still is the greatest twist I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. And, uh, like If you've never seen that movie... And then you see that you, your jaw drops and you immediately want to tell someone you saw it. Like that's how mm-hmm. good it is. And, uh, and there's not only one twist, it's followed by another twist, right? And it's not hard to follow. And it has great performances from yep. Hugh Jack and Christian Bale. Okay. You have basically the coming out party for Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like I, I don't I don't hate that at all. Like I had it a number five on my list. You might have it higher. It's definitely making the list. The so you think so you think Interstellar is better than this? I do. I love Interstellar. Persuade me. Okay. So first off, you guys might think I'm crazy for having Interstellar so high. Okay. But what do you I have it as? It was, I had it as three. Okay. 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 Go ahead. So I like it was nowhere near as confusing as Tenant. People always complain about Interstellar being too uh, confusing. It's really not that confusing when you boil it down. Agreed. Right. Completely um, agree. 
I love Matthew McConaughey. People also like to blame the performances, think they're not very good. I thought Matthew McConaughey is sensational in that movie. I think mm-hmm. he's very emotional. That scene where he's crying in the ship about his daughter, okay, that part hits. It makes you want to cry. He was thought, great. Yes, I agree yeah, with that. He was Anne great. Hathaway, I thought, was fine too, right? I thought she was, I was great loved, as well. Yes. Loved, yes. And then I'm also – but people like to say that movie tries to be too smart for what it is and that the, mm-hmm. the acting performances aren't emotional. And they say Christopher Nolan movies, the acting usually isn't as good as the overall movie because it's more methodical. It's more about the plot of the movie. You have to focus on what's happening rather than the act because the actors wow, don't even know what's because the actors don't even know what's happening in a lot of his movies. They can't explain it. Just like Tenet, Robert Pattinson had no idea what he was doing. John David Washington has no idea. Sean like, Avery what didn't. What the movie was about? Yeah, Sean Avery, right? Didn't <laughs> even know what the movie was about. So Interstellar, you think Matthew McConaughey knows what that's about? No. Yeah, he's putting on a great performance, but it makes it, it shows how hard it is and how great of an actor he is even more. Mm-hmm. And the, I thought the effects of Interstellar were just mind blowing. Definitely. Okay, where you have the bookcase scene, McConaughey touching different books. All right, then this all that also touches in with his performance, dude. How emotional it is, and then you have the scene where uh, Jessica Chastain finally catches on to what's happening. Then you have the different planets that they're going to. Them walking on the water. The Matt Damon's character, okay, the controversy he call, he, he uh, brings to the movie, okay, um. I, I just love it. And then like the final scene where he meets up with his daughter, right? It's just, I, th- I think and then like the, the, like just the cinematography, everything is so unbelievable in that movie to me. I think people just hate on it because it is tough to understand the first time. And that is a movie. If you, that's one where if you watch again, I think it becomes more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do agree with that. I do think people criminally underrate Matthew McConaughey in that movie and how difficult that role was. He, I, I can't think of a scene that he's not in it. Unless it's like uh, Jessica Chastain and Casey Affleck for five seconds while they're just flashing back and forth near the end of the movie. And I think Interstellar is a great pick. And now that I think about it, I will let, I, I'm will let. i not going to let you have it. I do think we'll get put Drift Season number four if we put Interstellar at number three, though. I can't go any higher. Okay. So well, so we, let's, let's reassess right now. We have Dunkirk at five, Prestige uh-huh. at four, and we would have Interstellar at three. Interstellar at three. So, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had Interstellar at three anyway. Okay, so but, then uh, what is your number one Christopher I mean, Nolan movie? I had. I mean, like a lot. This is. I, it's the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. To me, I, I, I think the way it changed a genre that is so popular today, it can't be ignored. Uh, obviously, it's down. I thought the, the the final two were obvious. It was either Inception or the Dark Knight. Um, the Dark Knight. Obviously, you have unbelievable acting performance from Heath Ledger, okay, and then a multitude of other performances. It flipped the Batman character on its head. It gave new meaning to the character of the Joker, okay, something that's still being um, repl- trying to be replicated today. You trying, yeah. Phoenix, like, like having a version, right, that you could say was built off of Heath Ledger's performance. If Heath Ledger doesn't have the performance he had in The Dark Knight, Joker doesn't get made, for sure. Why then we don't see that movie? Um, a pure Joker movie, Doesn't and then like that, and that's the first time you saw a adult superhero movie where you felt like it was for older people, where it wasn't for a uh, uh, eight year old, right? It felt like it was more for a twenty one year old to go talk about it at a bar. It was more of a crime drama than it was a superhero movie that you see associated with like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It flipped 
the entire movie industry on its head. Okay. So I don't think we can ignore that. Okay. So I'm, that's why I had dark Knight Number one. I also had a number one. And I think that this is the greatest superhero movie of all time, but I put superhero movies in, uh, as I say that in quotes, I don't think this is a true superhero movie. I think this is a crime drama, crime action drama. And I think that again, this is, I say this to every Christopher Nolan movie, the story absolutely fantastic what he did with the combination of the batman story 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 arc not line story arc with with a trilogy combining with the mob and where harvey dent plays a role in that i think aaron eckhart this is easily his best role he's ever been in a, even, a second best role actually i love thank you for smoking go see thank that signal. that's my favorite aaron that eckhart. Let's yes. that yeah we will we will um but i think he was fantastic and how they incorporate superheroes super villains, but different and grittier or not just grittier, but violent and realistic to actual, not like what he does, but just who psychopaths are. It was just so compelling. And the performances say for speak for themselves, as you pointed out. So that was also my number one. But again, I just, with Inception at number two, I think this movie, I love it. I think it's overrated. Inception? I think it's completely overrated. I think people get so <laughs> lost think, in how great yeah. of how crazy it is and all these different and dream sequences and the ending with the dreidel. If you haven't seen it, that's your fault. I mean, like, no, you, like, you can say that now. If, it, it just, I think it's, it's overblown and social media makes it even more with the memes. And I just, I think this movie is so overrated. And yeah. it was not, and it was my number three movie and it honestly i probably should have put it as four wait a sec what would you it was it was the prestige or two yes prestige was wow it is wow. the be- second best known movie it is so underrated man Just, hugh jackman in the first i think the first ever pod we did episode maybe second we talked about him being uh, if, uh, uh enzo ferrari and how he's a showman yep this movie is a magician this is the perfect movie for hugh jackman because he was able to show his entertaining styles to be compelling yet again be a dramatic actor and show his because his uh his wife dies in the first act of the movie that's not a spoiler that's a part of the movie it's like the uh, first part yeah and his his character is freaking crazy in this movie how it develops over the arc he ends up how, becoming somewhat of the antagonist of that movie yes arguably i, I won't yeah. give it away but arguably the antagonist because like you have to pick one to root for but then i think it's pretty clear yes because these magicians are going at it these two magicians and I think Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale, the Christian Bale, those two, that pairing is better than Inception relationship between the crew by a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think the Leo performance in Inception, although it's good, I don't think it's great. Oh, it's, like, it's not even close. It's not, I don't even think it's like in his top, it's arguably not even in his top 10. I know it's crazy to That's say crazy. out loud. That's it's crazy to say out loud. But if you look at Leo's deep, deep movie, uh, uh, all his roles combined filmography his filmography you can honestly say this is not even in his top top five, uh, top 10 you can honestly <laughs> That's say craziness that. a don and, Cobb, not in the top 10 but i like i don't hate that take i don't hate that take that shows how good leo is um and like inception you're not watching it for the performances it's got a killer cast with mm-hmm. dicaprio jgl Tom okay. Hardy. Marion Cotillard, Tom Hardy. Michael Caine. Right? So. But that's not why you're watching it. It kind of adds to, like, the aura of the movie and, like, uh, uh, it almost, like, 
makes you like it before you've seen it by looking at the cast. But you're there for the effects for that movie. And dude, they are jaw dropping. Like them, like literally the fight scene. Okay, where JGL is in the hallway where he's running off the ceiling, off the side of the mm-hmm. walls, tackling guys, getting in fights. Then you have the, the scene uh, where Ellen Page is like learning that how Inception works. They're, like the to me, and then the the, the, the best. blow up scene in the at the at the cafe. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I mean. Slow mo, oh yeah, unbelievable. It's just like the effects are unbelievable. Score unbelievable. But would you say the effects are better in Interstellar? Kind of biased because it's a space movie in that movie, or would you rather see the Inception effects? I, I think I like Inception. I thought that I was, think so I, too. I, I, I think I so too. That was incredible, and I think Tenet actually does rival Inception with the effects. But I think it's, it's just, close. But I don't think so. Personally. I'm not going to give it over Inception because it's the Inception. Like you really never saw anything like that. You saw something mm, sort of similar point. with you never you saw something sort of similar with the Matrix, right? But it just did not look as good. Yeah. Okay. 20, <laughs> 10, 10, and, Eleven years later, or twelve years later. Yeah, and it just it just didn't look as good, and like it, they couldn't pull it off. And like Inception, we also have to point this out. Well, it came out in two thousand ten. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's look at this. So you had um, Prestige came out oh four. Uh, it came out. I believe it was oh four. No, it came out after Batman Begins oh six. So it was bad. So this is Christopher Nolan's run in the two thousands, right? 05, Batman Begins. 06, The Prestige. 08, The Dark Knight. 2010, Inception. 2012, right? Every two years, he's making a freaking banger. Yeah, 2012, Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Stellar. Then you have 2017. He took three years to make Dunkirk. Like, he's not one More of those difficult. directors. Was that? More difficult. War movie. Got to get it. He's not one of those right. directors who takes a massive hiatus. Like he only needs two years time to develop movies. And it's been coming like three years now down the line. Okay, as he like gets deeper into his career. But I think it's just incredible that he made Inception in the middle of the Dark Knight trilogy, which is arguably the greatest, the arguably the greatest superhero trilogy, comic book trilogy that has ever been made. Right? I don't mm. think that's up for dispute. Yeah, so I think yeah, that's a better like a way test, to put it. Comic thing. book trilogy. Yeah, it's a better way of saying it than saying superhero. So we're putting Dark Knight one. Dark Knight one. We're sticking with Inception at two. Yep, we both had it. Well, I think the I only not, argument but... we have here, Flex, because we have the Dark Knight, Inception, Interstellar, Prestige, all solidified on that list. The only thing left to argue is is a uh, uh, Memento, right? Mm-hmm. We're arguing uh, Memento versus Dunkirk. That is so, the that is the argument. So I want to hear your argument for Memento because I gave you why I didn't have it on the list. So I want to hear you persuade me to um, have it on over Dunkirk. So I think Dunkirk. I, I was saying before this movie had to be made because like it's one of the biggest events in the world history, especially modern era, modern world history. And when I say modern, you know, recent two hundred years. But I just think that Memento is more interesting. I'm not gonna lie. Like it is so more so much more interesting, and it's around around revolves around one character and a, such a unique idea around or a, such a unique uh, like the character who has the short memory loss. Such a unique idea to revolve a story around a, that type of character, and I'm not gonna spoil anything um, because I really want people to see this movie because it's a, such an old movie, like 2000. Like isn't, people might not have seen it. It feels but, like it too. Like it feels right. like. A but he he has a short. But but he he has a short memory disorder. Like every like five minutes, he loses. Like he has to write everything down, 
and something's and so important to write down. He gets tattooed. Yes. So some things are so important to write down and he doesn't want like Lorraine to like spoil his notebook or something, right? It's 2000. There's no smartphones and he gets tattoos on his body of clues of who killed his wife. So mm-hmm. it's just something, a story of this guy seeking revenge of who killed his wife. But then again, he has all these, all these different uh, storylines or not storylines, but just issues revolving around the main character and then what he runs into because of this issue that is so unique and no i can't think of a great movie that has tried something so crazy and out of your mind out of the box thinking and i thought it was just a revolutionary movie from that point of view and just allowed maybe other directors to try something crazy with their characters and other types of diseases or disorders to use to make actually to bring out into the open to hollywood and make it irrelevant and make people Mm -hmm. aware of it and Guy Pierce, I think this is his best role in any role in any movie. And, I agree. He is unbelievable in this. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he's in the movie 100 percent of the time. I don't. I, it was barely or not 100 percent, like 90. He's on the screen of the yeah, time. He's, yeah, he's, right. He's almost it's almost like Tom Hanks level of Castaway. Like that's mm-hmm. how much he's on there. Right. And I just think that the story behind that, compared to a Dunkirk, where you know what's going to happen, and there's not really a main character at all. You know, like the story isn't like. When you have when you have a movie around a historical event, like say World War II, Saving Private Ryan, you have to have a story within that, right? So in Saving Private Ryan, you have like this whole uh, crew, I'll say crew, whatever, troop, going to save this one private, right? Mm-hmm. They're revolving World War II. They're showing you what happened in World War II and the effects of it on people, on the soldiers, and on families, especially in that movie. In Dunkirk, you see that with um, Michael. Uh, with uh, the people in the boats trying to save the people, the soldiers, right? Yeah, civilians. But besides that, like you saw the soldiers being scared on the beach, but no crap, they're scared on the beach. We already knew that. Like there's bombs being blasted. Are you saying on the like beach. it's like that's the thing about a war movie is that like you know what to expect when but you, you need a story within. That's the like movie. that. I think that's the argument that we're, we ha- we're ha- we have here. We have a unique story that we haven't heard. We haven't like ever scene on the big screen right that kind of goes with the genius of christopher nolan's screenwriting versus the creativity of something that already happened so what i'm going to get to so we wrap up this top five you gave me interstellar i am willing to because i had memento at six like it was very hard to put it at six i wanted to put it at five but i put the prestige because that movie has like a more of a lasting impact on me i watch it all the time right um i'm willing to trade memento to dunkirk and we push prestige to four done deal all right easy so final list it would be our top billing for christopher nolan movies number five memento number four the prestige number three interstellar two inception and number one unanimously the dark knight i like the list i like it i think that's a good looking list it took some compromise i think the only heat we're gonna get is prestige because people like don't like it as much as we do, I, I would say that's like I can take I can take the heat for the prestige for sure. And I think I think Memento over there over the over Dunkirk is going to earn us some points with uh, the listeners for sure. I, I think we'll I think I think Memento is a like a low key a fan the fan favorite for Nolan. If you're a Nolan fan, you love Memento. It's usually mm-hmm. how. It works. I would love to see like a not a Memento. I wouldn't like to, I wouldn't like to have a Memento remake but it would be so interesting to see if that movie came out today with new technology and everything 
to see what other crazy effects no one could have done with that with technology mm-hmm. and with the effects especially because in that movie it's kind of like tenant where you're going backwards and forwards and reverse and things like that so it'll be so cool to see that as well right i agree and then like when they do the flashback sequences of of memento mm-hmm. that's where it really looks like a 2000s movie yeah definitely where, like, the way yep. it's, like, Lomos they do and everything like that and having just having guy pierce and it makes it feel like it's 2000 yes. um so that does it right so that does it for our top billing that does it for this episode of the drive-in pod make sure to, mm-hmm. to subscribe to uh the blog to the podcast we are on spotify we are on soundcloud we are on uh apple music right apple podcast yep apple Podcasts. okay yep uh unless you want to hear us sing and then we'll be on apple music as well uh Make sure you turn into the next episode of the Drive-In Pod. Uh, Smell ya. Peace.